Genesis 35, verses 1 to 15. It's on page 29. The Bible that the ushers were handing out, page 29, Genesis 35. The first 15 verses. Remember in chapter 34, uh, Jacob uh, was saying to Simeon and Levi that he made a, brought a stink to the inhabitants of the land. They were at Shechem. And then we continue chapter 35, verse 1. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to God, the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called its name Alon Bakuth. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paddan Aram and blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in this life it helps to know the right people, to be known by the right people. Sometimes knowing the right person will get you into a place that others cannot get into. As a stewardess was walking down the aisle of the plane, closing all the overhead bins, all of a sudden she recognized someone right in front of us and said, ah, oh, how's it going? It's been a long time. It's been years. And she had to keep working and they went down to the back of the plane and they had recognized each other and they both were obviously quite happy about this. And then as she was walking back, the flight attendant uh, said to him, hey, why don't you come up? I got a seat in the front here that you can sit in so you could have more leg room and you can have more uh, food to eat, proper food to eat. 
And as I saw that, I thought, wow, it sure helps to, to know the right person or to be known by the right person. And that's also what we really see in the text of today, Genesis 35. It's a good way to illustrate the point that it was a wonderful thing to be a part of Jacob's family. It's also a wonderful thing to be known by Jesus Christ as a mediator. And when we see John 17 and we read that, we again, we celebrate the fact that he was praying to his Father for us. We were included in his prayer because we were known by him. And that work of Jesus Christ as mediator was already being revealed to us, made known to us uh, in Jacob as he stood before God and then he gathered his family together and then entered into the presence of God at Bethel. It catches our attention, and if you looked at the text, maybe you noticed that, that in verse 1, it says, God said to Jacob, arise and go to Bethel. But when Jacob responded, you can see that in verse 2, he said to his household and to all who were with him, they all had to prepare themselves to go to Bethel. And then when we get to the center of the text, and, and it actually comes to the main point is found in the center of the text, verses 5 to, to 8, that's sort of the, the main theme of this passage. It's right in the middle there. It says that Jacob got to Bethel. In verse 6, he and all the people who were with him. So knowing Jacob brought many blessings to the whole family. And also we see as we read John 17, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ brings many blessings to, to all those who were with him. We could read that several times. Everyone who believes the mediator, Jesus Christ, will go with him to be in his father's house, God's house, Bethel, and will, will be with him for, for all eternity. And so we see in Christ, we go from dust to, to glory from death to life. And I preach to you this gospel, the mediator returns to God's house, and God's house is Bethel, with those whom God has given him. And we'll see that the church is purified and presented to God, and secondly, we'll see the church is blessed and sent on her way. When we look at Genesis 35, verse 1, we can see that Jacob was very excited by God's command to return to Bethel. And he said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods among you and purify yourself and, and change your garments. God said, go to Bethel, go to the meeting place. And the first thing that Jacob says is, let's clean ourselves up. Nothing makes you look at yourself and the value of your possessions quite like the, the need to move right into the, the courtroom or the, 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 the area, the palace of the king, where, where splendor and majesty and glory and quality are the order of the day. Imagine you had to move into the courtyard of the king with your whole family. You would look at all your things and you'd see we've gathered a lot of junk over the years. The same spiritually in Jacob's life. Every time that God drew near, 
and called his people to renew their commitment to him, their contrast with his holiness made them realize how bad things had become in their lives, how many idols they had, been, that they had welcomed in, and how necessary it was to purify themselves. You can see that many uh, times. Joshua 24 is another great example of that. 1 Samuel 7, the judges, every time that God came, confronted them, they, they recognized uh, their own sinfulness. And I see that this afternoon the, the message will be on Joshua 24, that renewal, the throwing away of the idols to come into the presence of God. And the holiness of God also made clear in the law every Sunday does the same thing. It shows us uh, who God is, and when we see who God is, we recognize again who we are, and we can only confess our sins. Lord, again, we have allowed many idols to come into our lives. Idols that are like cholesterol clogging the arteries that make the communication harder and harder between God and us, his people. And so when God draws near, we have the urge that we need to purify ourselves to enjoy him fully. Tomorrow's Reformation Day, uh, that was another good example of a church purifying themselves of their idols as they drew near and understood what scripture really was teaching, uh, led by Martin Luther. As they, they saw that, they also recognized how, how many traditions and idols they had let in from the culture that was hindering the preaching of the gospel. So Jacob, we could say, was one of the first reformers as he prepared his family and all who were with him to meet their God. Jacob tells his household and those who were with him were probably some of the people from Shechem that they had captured and also then his, his wives and his children and, and perhaps even already grandchildren. He, he said they needed to do two things. They put away the foreign gods that were among them and purify themselves. That was the first thing. Put away the foreign gods and purify yourselves. That would mean confessing your sins. It would mean taking the idols out of your hiding place uh, underneath the saddle and putting it in front of all the, the family to see and to confess together that there has been sin. Publicly presenting their idols to Jacob so that they could be buried. And to do that, there had to be a change of heart, a desire not to trust in those little things that we gather around us anymore, but to trust only in the one true God. And the second thing Jacob says is that they had to change their garments. Did you think of that? What would that mean? Change your garments. It appears that they were showing who they were serving by the clothes uh, they were wearing as well. Jacob was saying, change your garments, show who you worship by what you wear. Seems kind of superficial. Maybe we think that, but the Lord says that the outside, what we look like to others also shows what's in our hearts. Show who you worship by what you wear. Don't wear garments that associate you with idolatry to other gods. And you could see the example when they responded. They gave in their, their earrings uh, as well, probably a part of a false religion. 
at that time. Jacob calls the church to repentance, repentance that requires a change in behaviors, in desires, in loyalties, and even in clothing. The Lord Jesus taught the same thing that we read in Genesis 35. He said to the followers, he says, you cannot serve God and mammon, money. You can't serve them at the same time. He says you, you cannot live with divided loyalties, worldliness and impure lifestyles dishonor God. And before the mediator, Jacob could take the church with him into the presence of God to renew their commitment to him, they had to show that their heads and their hearts were in it. Not anyone can just come into the presence of God. And those who trusted in Jacob's instructions, they repented and they purified and they humbled themselves before God and, and they changed their clothing to show that all of them were included than in Jacob's blessings. Even though they didn't do it perfectly, God received their humble and their humble repentance and their, and their faith because he knew that his son, Jesus Christ, would obey perfectly for them and in their place. The hope of Jacob's family is our hope. And the gospel message is that Jesus did not have other gods he was devoted completely to his Father in heaven. The Lord Jesus wore garments that were also reflected that his lifestyle showed what was in his heart. He did not live a sinful life. So he could be the mediator that would not just lead us into the presence of God at Bethel here on earth, but all the way into the presence of God in heaven for all eternity. We believe when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are included in his family, when we are under his wings, he takes hold of our hand and he brings us through his sacrifice on the cross for us with the promise of, that he will lead us in new garments that he has given us and he will lead us right into the presence of the Father in heaven. He's a mediator that is much greater than Jacob. God commanded Jacob to return to Bethel with his family because God was working out his plan of salvation in Jesus Christ. So the Lord Jesus was working in and through Jacob to prepare the world for his incarnation, when the, the time when he came into the flesh. He was preparing the world for his coming. And since God was at work and not just men, and God wanted his plan to, to come to fruition because of his love for us, we read in verse 5 that the terror of God fell upon the cities were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. The serpent's desire to swallow the hope of the Messiah was frustrated by the power of God who breaks the teeth of his enemies and, and leads his people to the place where they can meet him. And so what would have been considered impossible by human standards was done. And Jacob went from Shechem to Bethel untouched. 
And he built an altar right in the midst of all these enemies who hated him and hated his family. And the church had grown significantly since Jacob was last here when he was all alone and scared. You read about that in Genesis 28. Things were a lot different. And now Jacob draws near to God and his heart and his mind are, are on his God in heaven and his family and all those who were with him that, that were with him at that place. We see that in verse 6. They, he came there, his household and all who were with him. He returns to the Bethel waterfall where he received the blessings of God as if on a ladder to be different from the world. One of his descendants would be the true mediator and high priest, would be the great shepherd who would give his life for his sheep, the most powerful king who would destroy sin and Satan forever and not just a few nations around Jacob as he went to Bethel. One of his descendants was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Savior, who prayed the prayer of John 17. The prayer that shows how completely he fulfilled the task that God had given to Jacob. Jacob's wives, and Jacob's sons, and, and the people who were with him, they heard that it's a good idea to stick with Jacob so you could receive God's blessings. When we hear a much greater message, we hear it's a good idea to stick with the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal king and the great pastor, the great shepherd. And we see that, that in him there's blessing. As Jacob moved from the north of the promised land, that's Shechem, that's where they attacked the city, and Shechem was in the north. As he moved from the north to the center, that's Bethel, and then we'll see in the next part, he goes on further south in the promised land, building altars to God and burying his loved ones in hope. We can see that Jacob was staking his claim in the promised land. He was, he was preparing the, the, the land for the coming of the great messianic king whom God promised since the beginning. And after reading about that altar named El Bethel, and remember, El means God, so the God of Bethel. We read in verse 8 that Jacob buried Deborah, who was his mother's nurse, who probably served Rebekah by raising, helping to raise up the twin boys, Jacob and Esau. She was probably dear and near to, our, or to, to Jacob. And her nearness to Jacob in this way would explain why she had come out to meet Jacob in Bethel, and why her name was, was even mentioned. Jacob was returning to his father's dwelling place from the north, and he's heading south to his inheritance like a, a triumphant king. And as he's drawing near to his, his goal, his, his mother's nurse comes out to, to meet him before she dies. The anticipation and the excitement of the spiritual conquest of the new promised land are, are growing. And the burial of Deborah is mentioned to show that God's people believed that the Messiah would come from heaven to this place on earth. And although Jacob was very sad, 
And he gave the name Alon Bakuth to the tree, to the burial place. It means the oak of weeping. The Lord did not abandon him. And we see how the Lord responded to the sadness he experienced of losing his mother's nurse and probably the nurse that took care of him. The Holy Spirit reveals in verse 9 that God appeared to Jacob again. again. He appeared again to his repentant people to repeat and to confirm the covenant promises he made to believers and their children. He comes to Jacob who, comes, who had come to him and, and he pours out his blessings upon him. The Lord tells him again that his name would be changed from Jacob to Israel. He confirms what he had already told Jacob through the, through the man in, in the water in Genesis 32. And the Lord reveals his own name. We read in our text, God Almighty. You can see a footnote, El Shaddai. It means God All-Powerful. God All-Powerful speaks to his servant Jacob saying, You are now Israel and I am with you tells him to be fruitful and to multiply. That's a command that God gives to people who are starting out in a new place. It's a command that God gave to Adam and Eve when he just created them. They had to fill the earth. It's a command that he gave to, to Noah when Noah came out of the ark after the destruction to, to start anew in the new creation as we read in Genesis 8 it's a command he gave to the patriarchs as they, they came to take possession of the promised land. And the Lord blesses Jacob and all those who were with him by once again promising to grant them a nation and a company of nations. The Lord is renewing his covenant with his people. He is renewing his covenant with his people. He is repeating what he said to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 17 when he renamed Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. Then at that time as well as again now to Jacob, he says kings would come from your very body. Like his forefathers, Jacob came into the presence of the Lord in humbleness to present himself as a mediator together with his household as the harvest. And God replied to Jacob with his wonderful promise. He says, this offering of your household and all who are with you that you are presenting to me like the first fruits, like, like a harvest, is just the beginning. God responds to tell him, I have greater things planned for you. Kings will come from your body. The church will grow even more. You won't just be little sojourners with your small family in this promised land. But it will be yours to keep, to rule. You will rule over this place in the future. And we read in verse 13 that God went up from the place where he had spoken to him. God left him at that time because God was talking about a promise for the future. God was pointing his people ahead. We know to whom? Because we live after our Lord Jesus Christ. Jacob had to take that word that God had spoken. And if you look at the last three verses, 13, 14, and 15, the emphasis is on the spoken word. 
Three times it says where he had spoken with him. Jacob had to take that spoken word of God and he had to, to keep going. And so the Lord blessed Jacob, renewed his covenant with him. He blessed him and then he sent him on his way to keep on going, to keep on serving him. And as we read John 17, we're able to see the connection between Jesus and Jacob and how the, very, the Son of God himself is behind the ingathering of his church from the beginning of time. Jesus speaks about those whom God had given to him and now keep his word. Both disciples in the first part of John 17 and then those who believe through his preaching. Although the people in our text were included together with Jacob, it really was their faith and trust in the future Messiah, Jesus Christ, that saved them. Jacob presented those whom God had given to him from the world, which were the ones for whom Jesus Christ died on the cross. Jacob and his household were allowed to be in the presence of God, not only because they buried their idols and, and changed their clothes, but because they humbled themselves. They trusted in the salvation of the one true God. And their repentance was made complete by the perfection of Jesus Christ, the great and only high priest and mediator of the church of all times and all places in the world. And although he today is in heaven, he is reigning as eternal king in, in heaven, he's in the eternal presence of, of his father, the, the house of God, the, the eternal Bethel, he's not done his work. And that's a great thing for us to hear. Included in him, we still have access to his throne. In, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, the, the Apostle Paul, the preacher and church planter, he says to his church, he says, I want to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. You see, God's people gathering together under the mediator, Jesus Christ, and being presented to him. The, the connection is amazing as, as mediator between God and man. Little Jacob presents his purified household to God and then God blesses him and, and tells him to continue serving the growth of the kingdom until the Messiah would come. And then we keep reading through scripture and we get to the New Testament. We say the Messiah has come. Now what? He was born in Jacob's line just like God said. And we see that he continues to serve the growth of the kingdom by gathering together all those whom God had given him. He's purifying them with his blood. He's giving us new garments that we can wear. We are co compared to a harvest that he is bringing together. And the harvest is continuing to grow. And even the Lord Jesus himself says that at the very end of John 17. John 17 verse 26 he says, I have made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known. That the love with which you loved me may be in, uh, in them and I in them. We know the gospel today 
because the mediator, Jesus Christ, continued his work from his throne in heaven, the work he started in Jacob, the work we see today. We are a part of that harvest that he is gathering in, the spiritual harvest as the conquest, the spiritual conquest continues. The kingdom of heaven grows. When Jacob received the blessing of the Lord, he was sent on his way. When Jacob saw that the Lord went up from him and he was there again, seemed like he was alone on the earth, he, he built a pillar, made a stone, he, he poured oil on it, he, it was an anointed, it was a set-apart pillar, it was something holy. It was something holy that pointed to that meeting that he had with God. It was a, a, a sign of the, the spoken word of his father, a sign of the promises that God had poured out upon him. Not one of his children would have to forget their special connection to God through the Messiah. They would always have access to Bethel, the house of God. And the pillar would serve as a sign in the land that God had appeared to his people. Today, we live with the same word, the spoken word that we love, that we hear proclaimed to us. We live with the same God. We live with the same mediator, the only true mediator, Jesus Christ, who uses different signs that we may hold on to and study and learn to be comforted and encouraged. Different signs that point to even greater blessings. The Savior, Jesus Christ, has gone ahead of us into heaven to reserve our home in the new Jerusalem. The words of John 14 should not be forgotten by God's people. He has gone ahead. He's prepared a place. And you know what? He speaks on our behalf. In Colossians 1, when you walked in, you saw it on the screen displayed. It says, you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in the body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the gospel that you heard. That's the verse after verse 23. We see, brothers and sisters, it can be very helpful to know the right people, to be known by the right people. Just as it was a great blessing to be a part of Jacob's family and included in Jacob's blessing to go with him to Bethel, it's also wonderful to be known by Jesus Christ, to have him for our mediator, to hear him call us by name, come, come with me. I know you. I gave my life for you. Jesus Christ has gone before us to heaven to pre present us before his Father. He's our mediator. And he's going to say, here are my blameless children washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. And right now, brothers and sisters, we are that family washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ in the presence of our God. For he is with us always, isn't he? We are his harvest. Jesus is our mediator, and we will bring, and he will bring us forever purified right into the presence of his Father in heaven. We're going to sing about that now in hymn 76, stanzas 3 and 4. Amen. <laughs>